Welcome back to Ecology is Everywhere, the podcast about environmental education and the places it takes us. I'm your host, Philip Matthew. For this week's episode, I spoke with Kyle Brooks, a public affairs specialist at Wayne National Forest in southeastern Ohio. As a member of a fairly small public relations team, Kyle works on a lot of different projects, but the biggest of those is forest plan revision. We started off our conversation by talking about what a forest plan is and what the revision process looks like. Every single national forest across the United States has a land management plan. These plans basically give the overall like direction, the vision, the you know, the big picture of where they want the national forest to be and what things they want to happen or not happen in that national forest for a time period of uh, anywhere between 10 and 30 years. And because environmental factors change, because uh, like human factors, socioeconomic factors change, um, you have to update and revise those plans every so often. And right now, the Wayne National Forest is in the process of revising its land management plan, its forest plan, as a lot of people call it. And so I'm um, on the team basically helping drive public engagement to that process, letting people know how they can get involved with that process, and um, basically just helping people be able to like have their voice heard in this process so they can help shape the future of the Wayne National Forest for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Tell me a little bit about what the forest actually is, like how big is it? And just, you know, what are some of those actual questions that you're thinking about when you're coming up with your particular management plan? The Wayne National Forest, it's a three-parted national forest in Southeast Ohio. In the scheme of national forests, it's actually pretty small. Uh, so it's total, it's about 244,000 acres, which is a large chunk of land. But when you're talking about some of those uh, national forests out west where they're like 1 million, 2 million acres, we're pretty small. We're in the Appalachian part of Ohio. So, um, you know, Ohio has three very distinct uh, kind of cultural and geologic regions. Southeast Ohio is um, kind of hills, forested, it's mostly forested, a lot of great just nature to explore, and we're nestled right in the middle of that. Sort of kind of like a West Virginia feel, not quite as mountainy, I guess. Um, the hills are definitely nowhere near that level. But there are, you know, the National Forest, the Wayne is, it's a land of many uses, and, uh, you know, we have all kinds of recreation opportunities. We have hiking trails, backpacking trails, uh, uh, mountain biking trails, um, ATV trails, motor motorbike trails, um, lots of dispersed recreation, you know, dispersed camping, hunting, fishing, um, and then also the land management side of things. So uh, we do have an active timber program. Um, we manage for wildlife habitat, for uh, aquatic health. Um, a lot of the Wayne National Forest, the, the creeks that run through southeast Ohio are heavily impacted by acid mine drainage from the past uh, land use. And so, you know, we have a very active program trying to remediate those um, those impacted streams and actually bring life back to them. Because up until recently, some streams were completely devoid of life because they were about the acidity of Mountain Dew. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, not great for fish to be living in those. We've known each other for a couple years now, and I've seen a lot of the content you've posted online, both through your work and in your personal channels. Tell me a little bit about what you like to post about and why. 
my ultimate goal in life is to really inspire um, people to care about their natural world. In my opinion, you know, the, the way that you can inspire that is by helping people understand their natural world. If people don't understand something, they're not going to care about it. And so um, I'm very active on social media, um, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, um, blogging, um, basically just writing about the natural world in an approachable, accessible manner to people who um, may not have any sort of prior, like, you know, professional educational experience in that. This whole idea of like eco-literacy, people need to understand what's at stake and how the system works if they're going to get behind any sort of um, push to change something or how to do something. And so really with my social media posts, you know, I might go out and see a picture of a, or find a salamander, take some photos of it, and then go post some cool random facts about salamanders. And if the average person has never seen a salamander, they might be like, oh, cool, look at a salamander. And then let me take like one nugget away. Um, and then maybe that starts to get them thinking about salamanders, but you know, just everything else that I post about. So, I mean, I do a lot of that on my personal um, accounts, but then also for work, um, I do run some of the Wayne National Forest social media accounts. And um, I know recently, Basically, with forest plan revision, there's like three distinct phases of it. The first phase is an information gathering phase. And so we gathered a bunch of information, um, both environmental information and socioeconomic information, and basically tried to answer the question of, so what are the problems that Southeast Ohio is facing right now? And how does the Wayne fit into that? And what are the specific problems that the Wayne is facing? Specifically looking at what kind of problems have developed over the last decade or two. And so we acquired all this information. We wrote a bunch of reports, about 800 pages worth of reports. And then we put it out for public review. You know, we really wanted people to look at these uh, findings. Basically, one, to like help them know what kind of things the Wayne is facing. So if they want to be engaged in the process, they have a nice foundation to go off of. Um, but then also, you know, just to kind of expose people to all the things that are happening here in Southeast Ohio. One of the incredibly interesting and sometimes frustrating, but um, interesting parts about doing any sort of planning in a national forest is that there are both local audiences and national audiences. And even among those audiences, there's huge diversity in um, people's values and what they want to see. So when the national forests are public lands, when they're, you know, your public land, my public land, we all bring our personal values and our personal worldview to that. And so when you have that huge diversity um, all kind of colliding in at once, you can have some very intense and sometimes heated conversations and debates about what you want, what each person wants to see their public lands managed, how they want to see it managed. So my day job at the moment is working for a land trust, which obviously means facing a lot of the same sort of questions, but on a much smaller scale. And I think for us, having a very involved volunteer base that handles a lot of that communication is really useful. But I'm curious with an organization like a national forest, how many people are actually sort of behind the scenes managing all this information and trying to do all that drafting? So at the Wade National Forest, there are about four of us um, when it comes to like at least the the stereotypical public affairs, public relations type posts that we put out. 
a lot of times there's so much information that we want to talk about and there's just not enough people to actually have the time to write those things and to put it out there um, or even just, you know, running events. And so that can be definitely a, a roadblock in trying to, you know, get people to engage with their national forest if there's not that many opportunities. We try to provide as many as possible given our limited resources. Uh, but that's definitely one of those things where, you know, a lot of planning goes into it and there's just not enough hours in the day. <laughs> sure. I would love to turn more now towards your personal journey. We were both educators in 2018, spring of 2018 at the ecology school. So I would love for you to talk for a little bit about just sort of what your trajectory has been um, and sort of where the ecology school fit into that journey. My, my formal education is um, in wildlife and conservation biology. Um, you know, I had always been interested in nature, you know, since I was five, six years old. When it came to the time in high school, you know, you're thinking about college. Um, I wanted to go in down the, the wildlife biology route. I wanted to do kind of the, you know, what people call the academic side of things. I, I wanted to go into academia. Um, and I, I went into uh, school at Ohio University um, in 2013. And I got heavily involved right away um, in undergrad research, working mainly with uh, amphibians. So, you know, doing herpetology research, specifically with salamanders, um, but then also a little bit with um, moved up reptiles, did some lizard stuff out in southeast Arizona. But as much as I love science, the academic world can be a little much. And um, once again, going back to that, like my personal drive, right, where if I want people to care about the natural world, I think that they need to understand at least some basis of it. I thought, OK, well, what about education? When I graduated, I did, I did a short summer internship actually with the Wayne National Forest. It was a joint internship between Ohio University and the Wayne National Forest. And I did wildlife surveys. You know, after that internship, I went down to South Carolina. I worked at an environmental ed camp. Um, and then I moved up to, uh, to Maine to work at the ecology school to continue doing environmental ed and going down that personal mission of mine. And um, there's a difference between teaching from experience and just like going out there and talking about random things um, and, and calling it, I guess, education. You have to have that learning experience. You have to do trial and error and figure out what works, what doesn't, what's jargon, what isn't jargon. And um, those two experiences, both at the ecology school and the other camp I worked at, um, kind of gave me that time to to grow and to learn uh, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and especially, you know, working with kids, you have to do it at a level uh, that is approachable and understandable. And, you know, it translates so well to adults, too, because not everyone has that formal, you know, background in ecology. And so you know, you're kind of operating at the same level. You know, the, the ecology school taught me so many um, just like group management skills, right, that I use in public meetings all the time. It, 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 when it comes down to it, humans are humans. Uh, tactics that work with um, fifth graders also work with adults. Um, and so I employ like a lot of the um, group management skills that I learned at the ecology school in public meetings that we have here in Southeast Ohio. Um, but then also just kind of like the, the confidence that uh, the ecology school gave me to be able to like go in front of a new group of people I had never seen before and just, you know, be able to like own the space and speak and speak with conviction. And, you know, that is something that I use 
at public meetings or on uh, like teleconference calls all the time, because a lot of times, you know, it's, we get a lot of repeat engaged people, but there are, there's always new people. And so just being able to like go into that new space and um, be that person that they're interacting with that representative. I, th- I feel like we've covered plenty of content and we could probably do a separate bonus episode on birding and citizen science. Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you were planning to? Did we miss anything? I mean, so the only thing else that I had, I was like trying to think of like, oh, what, where do I want to go with this is I just I was thinking about like themes of kind of the human dimension of of ecology and especially kind of like the environmental justice side of things, um, mainly because Southeast Ohio has Southeast Ohioans are so tied to the land but they're tied to the land um, historically in an extractive sense of taking resources like coal. We're coal country. And um, obviously with the collapse of coal, you know, that's left a huge depression in this area when it comes to like jobs and so many little tiny cities are dying. The, the town I'm in that I live in currently is an old coal town that's just slowly withering um, and, you know, looking toward the future of like, how can we, use the the resources that are here the natural resources that are here but in a different way not an extractive way maybe in like an experiential way so i know a lot of people are looking at um kind of like ecotourism or um recreational tourism how can we use the the awesome nature that we have given it's nature that has been scarred by kind of 200 years of uh misuse um like, you know, all the forests, Southeast Ohio is really forested today, but at one point over the last like 200 years, all the forests have been cut down. Everything's like second growth. And so, um, you know, you have those, those leftovers, those scars, those impacts from that. But like, how can we use what we have now um, to revitalize this area, um, to help those communities that are really so struggling that they, there are aren't job options because the mines closed down um, and because all the the secondary businesses that were related to helping those miners, you know, the, the restaurants or the farms, you know, how can we, all those jobs that were lost, how can we use, for example, the Wayne National Forest to really help those communities? Um, I know we're looking, we're looking at like tour or recreational tourism. Um, like one of the projects we're working on right now, um, is the Bailey's trail system. It's a, an 88 mile mountain bike trail system. That's what it'll be in the end. Right now we have got 14 miles built, but um, it'll be the longest mountain bike trail system east of the Mississippi River when done. And it's going to be built. It, the trailheads are located in these tiny little coal towns that really don't have a lot of business going for them right now. And so all these local communities are involved with, okay, how do we take this new thing, this, this draw, this recreational draw, and how can we benefit from it and bring people? So if, you know, if, if a car fill full of people are going to come from Columbus, Ohio, and they're going to go mountain biking on the weekend, they're not just going to go mountain biking. They're going to go visit the gas stations, the, the restaurants. They're going to go do other things. They're going to spend money in these communities. So like, what do those communities, how do they want to kind of rebrand themselves or rebuild themselves and uh, take advantage of that, that new opportunity there in a way that is sustainable and not just simply extractive like it has been for the last, you know, 150, 200 years. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's not just about like 
you know, educating people so they can understand what nature is doing, but it's sort of closing that loop too and thinking about how nature can connect with us and how we can sort of build a coexistence and be a part of that, the, the human ecology of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we are animals. We are, we are interacting with our environments too, and the other life forms out there, you know, we're all part of that ecological system. So how can we do it sustainably and operate in that space in a well-intentioned and um, meaningful way? Thank you to Kyle Brooks for being my guest this week, for all your hard work at Wayne National Forest, and for being an inspiration to all of us educators from spring 2018. Ecology is Everywhere is brought to you by The Ecology School, a nonprofit inspiring stewardship of and connection to the natural world through nature-based living lessons about ecology, conservation, farming, and sustainability. You can learn more online at theecologyschool.org. We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, I'm your host and producer, Philip Matthew. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. I don't know anything about dentistry. You're going to have to act like I'm a fifth grader and talk to me like I'm a fifth grader.